everybody open up a Bible. We're going to be searching around in a number of different places in the scriptures today. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about something that we seem to have kind of forgotten. About the Sabbath day. And it's kind of one of those strange things that we're going to look at it and go, how did we miss this? And yet, really, we did. We missed it. And I think we're still missing it today. That God designs for us to take that time to rest and to rest in him. And I wonder if we do this very often. I wonder how many of you are kind of tired of the rat race. You know, always busy. Always doing something. Anybody? Or am I the only one? <laughs> you know, it just seems like there's always things to do. That it's just you're working long hours. And then you get home and it's like, quick, you got only X amount of time to, you know, get the lawn done and get this done and, and run to the store and do the grocery shopping. And then Sunday, you know, I go home Sunday and quick power nap so that I can get everything else done, you know. <laughs> There's always so much to do and yet it's really kind of ironic. See, I think we were sold a bill of goods along the way. And, and here's what I mean by that. Just, just think about things for just a moment. How many of you have a dishwasher at home? Yeah, probably everybody, I'm sure, right? Do you know that was designed to save you time? I'm sure you have a washing machine. That was designed to save you time. Remember the old ringer washers? Now, that was before my time, but I used to repair them with my dad. Okay? Those are, if you think about how much time that took, and when we lived in Guatemala, we actually hired somebody to do our laundry because it would take all morning to do just a couple little loads of laundry because you'd have to do it all by hand and that's how it used to be done a hundred years ago and most of you probably got in your car late you know jumped in started it up flew here as fast as you could took however long it took to get here well how long would it would have taken you if you had to get the horses ready to go get the buggy hooked up and brought to church it would have taken you a lot longer to get all that done so if we have all of these time savers like microwaves, coffee makers, dishwashers, ovens, all those kinds of things, how can we have less time than we've ever had before? Isn't that ironic? I mean, we should have all the time in the world. And yet we don't. Well, you know, God has something to say about this. Let's see what God says. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he what? Rested. Huh. The Almighty rested. What's it say about you and I? If God rested, you don't have to, right? The Almighty rested from all his work. And then God did this. Don't miss this. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He blessed a day. What does that mean, bless? You know, we have a blessing. We'll have a blessing at the end of the service. And we receive that blessing. And a blessing is very simply this. God, would you give me everything that I need? Fill me up with everything that I need to accomplish all that you want me to accomplish. You realize that's the blessing. So God blessed the whole day and called it the Sabbath. And he blessed the day where God would give to us all that we need in order to accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish. 
And I think so many of us are so busy trying to accomplish all the things on our list that God's like, you know, if you just wait for a minute and pause for a moment, I would love to give you all these things to help you in what you think you're trying to accomplish. But so often we're so busy running that I don't think we even get the blessings of God because we never take a minute to ask for the blessing of God. And holy, what does it mean that the day is holy? It means it's set apart. It means it's different from the rest. When your Sunday looks like all the other days of the week, something's not right. Because God wants one day to be set apart where God can fill us. It's partly why we gather together. We gather together for worship where we're worshiping God. But are we also taking that time while we're here to say, God, fill me up. I've set aside this day for you to fill me up. And by the way, God, you got, you, you got one hour, so make it fast, okay, God? Isn't that what we do? And we don't mean to, but we do. Well, let's look at another one. Turn over to Exodus chapter 20. This is where God gave the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, I want you to find verse 8. It's on page 54. Exodus 20, verse 8. Page 54. This is what God says. What's the first word? Remember. Have you forgotten? Yeah, we already did forget. Okay, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to whom? To the Lord. See, it's not just about us receiving from God. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. It's his day. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Now I want you to just think about something this morning. Uh, look back at verse 1, or at verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. Does that one still apply today? Yes, it does. The second commandment, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Does that one still apply today? Yes, it does. Jump down to verse 12. Honor your father and mother. Does that still apply? Yep. Verse 13, you shall not murder. Still apply? Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Still apply? Verse 16, or 15, you shall not steal. Still apply? Verse 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Still apply? Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house or his neighbor, your wife, his wife, manservant, maidservant, ox, donkey, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Still apply? Now, when did God say that we don't have to follow that Sabbath day one? Now, let's also, we're going to look, okay, just bear with me for a minute. The Sabbath day is actually Friday night. From Friday at, at dusk to Saturday at dusk is the Sabbath day. Now, we don't honor the Sabbath day. We actually honor the Lord's day, which is today, which we're going to look up in just a moment. So don't get hung up on 
the Friday night to Saturday being the Sabbath. But what I do want you to ponder is if God said, I want you to set aside a day that we focus on God and we rest in God and be filled up by God. And you're in worship now and you're saying, well, Ed, I thought that's what we're doing. Yeah, we are doing that partly. But why do we take the Sabbath day and say it's optional? Are all the other commandments optional? What do you think? Is it optional? No, it's not. And yet when it comes to resting in God, we say, oh, that's optional. We don't have to do that one. All right, let's turn to one more. Let's see what God says about it. Exodus 29. Just turn over a few pages. Uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 31. One more page over. Exodus 31, verse 14. Look at what God says. Down at the bottom of the page in the left-hand column there. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Yikes. I don't think anybody of us would be here, right? If we lived in the Old Testament, we wouldn't be alive anymore. Because how many times we just say, well, that one doesn't matter. And God says, really now, this is what God says. Turn over to Revelation chapter 1. Now hang in there with me because I'm not trying to, you know, beat you over the head and say you should be resting. Because all of this is actually leading up to the story that we're going to look at today from Mark. But Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. Revelation 1.10. Read the first part with me, would you? On the Lord's day I was in the spirit. Just, that's it. On the Lord's day. See, there was a change. In the New Testament, there's a change. That instead of, instead of the Sabbath on Friday night to Saturday night and recognizing that and fulfilling that, God has set aside the Lord's Day, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, Sunday morning, which is why Sunday is different for us. It's the Lord's Day. It's a great thing to refer to. Today's the Lord's Day. And if it's the Lord's Day, then it belongs to the Lord. And what God wants from us is that we would focus on the Lord and grow in our relationship with God. That's what God would have for us. Okay, now, all this is leading up to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, it's on page 708. And we've been in the middle of this series throughout the summer of come see Jesus, go be Jesus. And we're going to see a characteristic and something that Jesus does. And it's on the Sabbath day. And he's about to do something. It's an extraordinary story that we're going to just spend some time unpacking. So that we see what is it that God wants us to learn today. We're going to start at chapter 2 verse 27. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, just pause there. What's God saying? That let's not be legalistic about this and say that I have to do this. God did it for our benefit. God gave us a day specifically so that we might rest in him and receive the blessings that God wants to give to us. 
and it's not mandatory as it was in the Old Testament. And God's trying to show us that he's Lord of that day and he's over that day and he gave it to us as a gift. Okay, now, verse three, or chapter three, verse one. Another time he went into the synagogue and it was a Sabbath and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Now, what does that mean? The Pharisees on the Sabbath day went over and above what God said in, in, in the word. And they added 39 things that you could not do on the Sabbath day. If you were a physician, one of those things that you could not do as a physician is do anything having to do with healing on the Sabbath day. That was one of their laws. In other words, if you, let's say, you know, fell and cut yourself really bad and went to a physician on the Sabbath, he couldn't do anything. You'd have to wait till the next day, which would be the Lord's Day. And then you could go back on Sunday and he could actually, you know, stitch you up and put a bandage on it, um, unless it was life-threatening. So if you were going to die, then he could help you. But if you weren't going to die, then he couldn't see you, couldn't do anything. So you never wanted to get sick. You never wanted to get hurt on the Sabbath because the Pharisees said doctors can't heal you on the Sabbath. So now, if you get the picture, Jesus is in the synagogue and there's a man there and he's got a hand that's shriveled up and it's unusable. I mean, he's crippled in that hand. Now, this was a big deal. A big deal because this man couldn't work with that hand. And I, I think I fully appreciated this story when I thought about our time in Guatemala. When Lori and I were there, we would go to an orphanage. And when we went to the orphanage, it wasn't as you would think of an orphanage. It was a place where everybody who had any physical defect lived. Because they couldn't support themselves at home. And so they would have to live in this place. There was over 400 of them. And we just went to go love them and care for them. So we saw people that, you know, let's say didn't have a hand. Or didn't have an arm. Or couldn't use their legs. Or were blind. Um, or, you know, were hunched over. We saw all kinds of ailments. And there was nothing wrong with any of these people. They just had something physical, and they were incapable of pulling their weight, if you will, because of their disability. And so they were societally rejects, and they had to live together. And so we went just to go and care for them and love them. So I could appreciate when this man had this shriveled hand, and Jesus saw him, and Jesus has compassion on him and wants to do something. Okay, so now they're watching Jesus... Verse 2, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus so that they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Don't you love Jesus? He doesn't do it quietly. He doesn't do it privately. He brings him in front of everybody and the man doesn't expect to be healed. That's not why he was there. And he brings... Jesus brings him up before everybody in the church because he wants them to see. Verse 4. 
Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Here's where he's going in this. He was really comparing and contrasting what he was doing with what they were doing. Jesus wanted to do good. But what were they looking to do to him? Accuse him and say, aha, you deserve death because you violated the Sabbath. That's what they were looking. So he was asking them, uh, which is better to save? Because if Jesus restores this person's hand, he's restored his life to go earn a living so he can provide for his family. So he's saving a life. Is it better to save a life on the Sabbath or to kill? I'm trying to save, you're trying to kill. And they were silent because they didn't see it. Verse 5. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Let's pause there. You know, it's one of the only times in the Bible that Jesus is angry. The other time was when he was in the temple and started turning over, over the, table, the tables. He's angry. What is he angry about? Because here's this man who has a need and Jesus can do something about it. And they're more concerned about when he's going to do it than, he, than they are with that he's going to heal this man. And what he was hoping to see in their hearts was compassion. But what he found was judgment. And that's a good question for us. Does God see judgment or compassion? If somebody came up here and had AIDS because of a lifestyle choice, would you have compassion or judgment, judgmental? If somebody stood up here in front of you who was a prostitute, would you have compassion or be judgmental? If somebody was bankrupt up here because of choices, would you stand in judgment or have compassion? If somebody was caught in adultery, would you have compassion or stand in judgment? Now here's what I want you to think about now. If you stood up here and told everybody what you had done, would you hope for compassion or judgment? I think that one's obvious, right? And we're all looking for the grace of God, all looking for the mercy of God, all looking for God's compassion. And God wants to know is, do we give that freely the way that we've received it? And Jesus was there with this man with the shriveled hand and wanted to show compassion. And when he looked out in the synagogue, he didn't see compassion, he saw judgment. And it, it made him angry because they were quick to receive, but slow to give. And not only was he angry, look at the other word. 
He was deeply distressed at the stubbornness of their hearts. So he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now, I love this. I love this. This is where Jesus is so amazing. There's so many stories in the Bible that when Jesus heals, he goes to them and he lays hands on them. And he heals them, right? But remember, physicians, they couldn't touch anybody on the Sabbath, right? Or sometimes he'd go over like to a blind man. He went over, took some dirt, spit in it, made mud, okay? Took it, put it on the guy's eyes, and then said, go wash. So he touched them. But in this case, this is where Jesus sidestepped everybody. He just said, hey, buddy, just uh, stretch out the hand, would you? And he did. And he was healed. Now, we know that God healed him, right? But did he touch him to heal him? Did he do anything that they could accuse him for healing? He didn't do anything. He just said the word. Hey, buddy, open your hand. And he opened his hand and it actually opened up. And so he couldn't be accused of healing the man because he didn't. He didn't do anything. He just said, open your hand. And the guy opened his hand. And miraculously, God healed him without ever touching the man. Do you see how amazing that is? He played their game, and yet he was still beating them at their own game. Because he never came near the man. He could say, well, I didn't, I didn't do anything. But he could say that. He could say, I didn't do anything. I just told the man to open his hand up, and he opened his hand up. Give God the glory. He's healed. And look what happens. Verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out, and they began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Do you know the Herodians and the Pharisees were enemies? The Herodians were a political movement. And the Pharisees were the church people, the church leaders. And they got together who were enemies and never worked together. And they said, hey, let's get together so we can kill this guy. They missed it. I want to show you a video. And I just want you to ponder in the video where your heart is. Do you stand in judgment? Or do you have compassion for what you're about to see? Take a look. My name is Evan Yamada, and this is my story. God and church was nowhere near my life when I was growing up and turned to other things and started in high school and got into drugs and, and alcohol at a pretty young age and that carried me all the way till college. Then I started to isolate and started thinking about suicide, made about three different plans of how I was going to do it. I was all the way down to the bottom to where I was in my upstairs bathroom and so afraid of friends and my parents that were trying to help me. My name is Tara Burns and this is my story. Growing up, we 
didn't live in like a Christian household. We weren't forced to read the Bible or go to summer camp or anything. My dad actually, his parents were from a Buddhist temple and my mom went to Catholic school. So anything was kind of goes with religion. And I remember in college, I was um, talked to by two girls that were on my dorm floor and they told me that if I didn't accept Jesus Christ right then and there, that they couldn't be friends with me and that I was going to hell. So I pretty much avoided Christian kids after that. Hello, I'm Jack Rowell, and this is my story. Um, it was probably 15 years ago. Um, I was a pretty big partier um, living in L.A., and I was a believer, but I wasn't sure what I was a believer in. Then my niece passed away, and I was so mad at God and even uh, doubted that there was a God if something like that could happen, and just quit drinking, just put it down. I was tired of it, thought this was going to fix my life, and um, it didn't. Um, I was still searching. gave Christ my life, and Christ saved me from so much despair and so much agony, and has given me so much hope and motivation and a reason to keep moving forward. So after I was saved, um, became baptized, got involved with a small group, and I'm doing things to help me walk with Jesus and hopefully get other people to walk with Him also. In 2007, I was baptized by my fiance, and it was an amazing experience to look across the room and see people who truly love and care about you. I finally knew what was important in my life. As we're getting rolling in the summer, I want to encourage you. Uh, this is the Lord's Day, and it's set aside for God. And it doesn't just mean that you're here. If you're in town and you happen to be here, come get filled up by God. But we really want to keep giving you permission not to be here on Sunday mornings. If you have somebody who is maybe not a believer and says you want to go fishing, please go fishing. Go be Jesus. Jesus went where people were. And he loved them. If you're camping, go camping and go be Jesus. If you're on the golf course, go be Jesus. And be listening for what God might have you do, even on the Lord's Day. That you say, God, this, is, this day is for you. How do you want me to use it? And God may surprise you and say, I want you to go out for lunch today because there's a waitress there that needs you to pray for her. I want you to go who knows where. But if we take this day for what God made it, which is holy, set apart, blessed by God for you and for others, then the encouragement is all summer long. You follow God, maybe even as a family. What about doing something different? Instead of worshiping on a Sunday, 
Why not go into a soup kitchen and say, as a family, we're going to go serve. And that's going to be our worship for the day. And God's going to be so honored by what you're doing because that's what God had in mind. That we take that day, we give it to God, we follow God, we do whatever God wants us to do, and let God be God in you and through you. And not only will you be blessed, but so will others. And think of it this way as we wrap up here. You have received so much from God. His kindness and compassion and his grace and his forgiveness, his love, his mercy. And God wants you to go share that and go give that. Even on the Lord's Day. Let's pray. God, you've called us to be the church, not just go to church. God, may, may you fill each one of us. May we learn from this story that wherever you were, you were doing your Father's work. Wherever we are, God, may we, may we follow you and do whatever it is that you want us to do. But in particular, on the Lord's Day, may we take that time when we're here in town to worship and serve and praise you. But God, when you've led us to do something else, that we might go joyfully and boldly to go be and do all that you want us to do so that we might reach one more life with you, Jesus. Bless us today, God. You know all the things that we need. Equip us and fill us and lead us today so that we might have everything that we need to be your servants this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Please rise as we sing a song about surrendering over.